Wow. Well, what an honor it is to be here with you this morning and in this house. And I have to say, I am in love with your pastors, have been for a long time. And you have the, the best, right? They are just so, so in love with Jesus and so given to his purposes, so full of the big heart of God, the generous, loving heart of God, everything with excellence, everything with integrity. And for those of you that might be visiting this morning and or maybe you're online and you don't have a local church and you live in this area, honestly, um, I travel all around the world. I go to a lot of churches, but this one is, is the real meal deal. And it's just like awesome. And there is enlargement coming uh, to you and to the house. Um, just during worship, I actually uh, got some insight on, on that. So we'll talk about that later. But um, uh, James, I call your pastor James. James, I tell you, you are stepping into a new season right now of enlargement. And because of your faithfulness, uh, because of your spirit of excellence, because you've built well, the Lord says, I've got more for you to build. We talked a little bit about this in the in the car, but there's a new track that is going to have a lot of precedence in this coming season. And it is going to be regarding the supernatural and the power of God. It says in Acts 1.8 that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. And that's dunamis power. That's miracle working power. That's the power that creates virtue within you. It's the power that creates wealth, actually. It's a, associated with wealth. That word dunamis is all those things. And so um, there's a new track coming that's going to be built really strong because the Lord has need of his people to be people of power. Amen? But um, there's more on that later. I'll, I'll share more later on that. But I'm excited for all the Lord has for this house and all that you're already doing, the impact you're having in the community and then the world. Keep it up. It's because you're crazy in love with Jesus that this really happens. There's not much left on the resource table, but I want to share with you the items that are available. This is called Hearts That Turn. I wrote it with uh, one of my spiritual sons, Benjamin Dietrich. It's got a forward by Bar Barbara Yoder. We're in a critical time. It says in uh, Malachi that the hearts of the fathers have to turn to the children, the children to the fathers, uh, lest the earth comes under a curse. Right now, the generations are experiencing a lot of conflict because the enemy has an agenda, and we get to crush that agenda. We get to save families, save households, uh, raise the bar. That's what we get to do in the Lord. And so uh, this book helps with the transitional issues of, of generations coming together, even in ministry, and how that works and in households. So that's hearts that turn. And then this is my book, Live Unoffendable. And I, I, I would love to have all of you read this book. It is a vital message for this hour. We cannot allow any level of offense to get into our heart. We're commanded by God to love. Um, and, and he is love. So he lives in us as love. And offense uh, tears down families, marriages, nations, relationships, churches, businesses. It just destroys. And so I, I have that book. It's... Um, I believe one of the the um, 
most clearest assignments I've had in writing on that book. And I also uh, did a whole study on it, and it's all in this manual here. This manual has all the uh, QR codes for the audios and the video teaching, so you can put them up on your screen and follow along in the manual, and it's got activations for you and everything. So you can do it uh, with whole groups in your home if you wanted to. A lot of churches are doing that. Um, so um, this, because it's the entire course, it's like getting a whole set of videos, um, it is a little bit more expensive than just the manual. We do have the manuals, um, if you want to get them, just only the manual without the QR codes in them, uh, that if you have a big group, they can follow along with you for um, a lot less because it's just the manual. And if you order from our website, uh, a group of them, I think a group of 10 or more, you get it for 50% off. So uh, those are there for you. And these are going to um, your girls project. And so uh, may they be blessed with that as resource. And anything that um, you don't get today off the resource table. So don't be in a rush to get anything because anything that doesn't go goes to the girls. So I'm excited about that. Um, all right, well, I believe I have um, a weighty word for you this morning. And um, you know, some words are so fluffy and wonderful and <laughs> You know, it's like eating cotton candy from, from Daddy God sort of thing. And others carry weight, and they're important because of the times that we're living in and because of the assignment that God's giving us. So that's one of these words this morning for you. So I'm going to pray that you really absorb the heart of God in this and that there will be an impact made in your life uh, to glorify God in these coming days. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking uh, for... Uh, a fresh release of your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his kingdom, and his righteousness for every person that hears this word this morning. I decree and declare that your word as it goes forth will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that it is sent to do. And I thank you, Lord, for a strong church being raised up, your ecclesia, Lord God, raised up to take dominion in the earth and to bring transformation and that this house is oiled and called for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited about delivering this word in this house because um, <laughs> you take the word and you run with it. And what you're doing already as, um, as, as a family, as a community, is commendable. Um, what you're doing to advance the kingdom of God. I've heard a few things that, that you're doing. You've got the finders team and you've, you know, you're looking after uh, girls to um, prevent uh, them being trafficked or bringing them into to restoration, following trafficking. Um, you're just out there doing the stuff. And I just feel the Father's pleasure over you. But I'm carrying a burden and I'm going to uh, be vulnerable and share the burden with you is um, we've been involved in anti-trafficking for many years. Um, it was back in the early 2000s that the Lord um, spoke to me in a prayer meeting. And he said, I want you to go to Bangkok, and I want to teach you some things about, about um, uh, sex tourism. I'd never heard that term before. I'd, I'd worked in inner cities. I'd lived in inner cities uh, before um, as we were uh, preaching the gospel and establishing the Lord's work in dark places. 
but I never thought of it as like sex tourism. I, it, it had never struck my mind. So I bought a ticket to Bangkok um, and went with a friend of mine and connected with some um, uh, missionaries over there that a friend introduced us to. And when we arrived in Bangkok, um, we checked into our hotel and walked down the street from the hotel to get something to eat. And I was in a, a restaurant there uh, waiting to order my dinner and I looked to the table next to me and there was a man, a Western man, who was in about his mid-50s, I would assume, and um, he was with a young Thai girl who didn't look any older than 15 years of age. And she was dressed very provocatively and she was trying to smile. And um, I knew exactly what was going on, that he had bought her for a weekend. I found out later that we were in an actual whole row of brothels. And um, I knew that he had bought her for the night or the weekend. And, all of a sudden, this, this, this anger rose up on the inside of me. And um, I wanted to give him some five-fold ministry and, you know, just get up and knock him out of his place and grab the girl and rescue her. And, and I, all these things were going through my mind. I thought, how do I make her safe? And I looked around the room and I saw other scenarios like that. And it was like I was in the midst of this deep darkness and I felt absolutely powerless to do anything about it. And um, so I was sitting there confused and angry and upset and felt bound. And the Lord, he started giving me words of knowledge about the man and what he had gone through and how God felt about him. And he showed me how much he loved that man and showed me things about his childhood that he had gone through where he had felt rejected and unloved. He had had some abuse situations, some hurt. And all of a sudden, I started feeling compassion for the man. And he said he just came over here looking for love, but he's looking in the wrong places. And what he's looking for will not satisfy him. He's deceived. But when you're deceived, you know, you don't know it. You need someone to intervene and help you. So then I felt really confused because now I hate what's going on. But now I have love for the man, love for the girl. And I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, I brought you here to show you what you can do and just, just walk with me. And so it was a very, um, you know, it was a very confusing moment for me. And, and I, was, I was absorbed in the, the realm of darkness and how helpless I felt in it. Later on that night, we walked around the city with a missionary that was with us. And she showed us a few things. And I, I got a greater burden than ever. The next day, we went over to Patia and uh, went into uh, some of the bars and were ministering to some of the girls and sharing uh, the gospel with them with interpreters. And I sat down with one of them, and um, she was just a young girl. She was only, I think she said she was 16, if I remember correctly. And um, I sat down with her, and I asked her to tell me her story. I paid for her time. And um, she said, well... She had grown up in a little village, and she was happy, a little happy girl, growing up in a village with her cousins and, and friends in the village. And they were very poor, but she didn't realize that they were poor. It was just, you know, what she grew up in. And one day, uh, her parents came to her, and she was just young at the time. I think she was uh, 12 or 13. 
and said, we have to send you into uh, the city to work to make money for the family. So they took her to a bar slash brothel and thinking that she was going to be hired to put ice in people's drinks and that and fix up, you know, the place, sweep the floors and stuff like that. But when they left her in the brothel, she was terrified, but the brothel owner took her and uh, within the first two days she was there, she was sold to clients. She was a virgin, and so they sold her as a virgin, get more money for that, and then afterwards they, they sewed her up and sold her again and again and again. And I was looking at this girl and she um, was telling her story and she teared up and I thought, again, I, I, I don't know what to do to fix this. I looked around the brothel and I saw so many other girls. And I thought, I don't know what to do to fix this. And uh, my heart just broke. And I went back to my room and I said, God, I, I got to go home. I can't do this. I am emotionally overwhelmed. I'm in a situation where I am seeing evil like I've never seen before. And I have no power to do anything about it. And he said, that is so not true. He says, you have power to do something about this, and you can and you will. I did not bring you here to devastate you. I brought you here to do something about this, to make you a solution. And so I knew that, that he had a plan. I just didn't know what it was. And sometimes when you are overwhelmed in a situation and you see the bigness of it around you and you feel so small in the midst of it, you have to remember that God is bigger than anything that you're facing. And that if you give him your yes, he will work it out for you. So we went into um, a bar slash brothel the next night with a plan. It happened to be Valentine's Day, and we took a worship team in from one of the local churches there. We went to the brothel owner and said, would you be interested in having uh, free entertainment music for Valentine's Day? We come in, we sing love songs. And she said, well, free? Like, you don't charge? No, no, free. We'll do it for free. We just didn't tell her they were Jesus love songs. We just said love songs for Valentine's Day. And so um, we uh, went into the brothel. She gave us permission. And we started worshiping in the brothel in English. And, um, and the brothel filled up. You know, when you start worshiping Jesus... He comes and manifests his presence, right? And so the presence of Jesus filled the brothel. And we were sitting with girls and with interpreters and sharing, sharing the love of Jesus with them. And as I'm at this table sharing with this girl, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to get up and, 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 and give words of knowledge and words of destiny over people's lives because they've never heard how I feel about them. So I went to the brothel owner. And I said, um, can I have the microphone? I have um, words about people's future. She says, oh, you're a fortune teller. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not a fortune teller, but I know God, and God knows people's futures, and so he has things he wants to share. She says, yes, 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 we call fortune teller. I thought, well, whatever you call, <laughs> I'll take the mic, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I took the mic, and, and I started pointing people out in the crowd, 
and with an interpreter gave words, prophetic words about people's destinies and about how God felt about them. And the girls started crying. And, and, um, and then I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. He says, well, just open it up for the whole place. I said, if any of you want to hear a word about your future, come and stand in line. And not only the girls came forward, but actual customers came forward as well. And we prophesied over them that night and had an altar call in the brothel, in the bar. We had an altar call. And um, I'm, I'm trying to remember now accurately how many girls got saved. I think there was at least 11. And we had invited uh, the Tamar Center to come in with us so that if anyone got saved, they could offer a place for them to leave the bar and go and get discipled and everything after. So a number of them never went back to that profession ever again. And they got discipled, and I met a few of them uh, later because we continued our work in that region. And uh, they went on to not only be discipled, but to come evangelists and go back to their villages. And some of them won entire villages to the Lord. You know, this is awesome. So while I was there, I was encouraged that night. I received encouragement from the Lord, and he said, now just do more. And he gave us just an idea. And sometimes you think, oh, it's just an idea. But when God's in the idea, it can change the world. And so he gave me an idea to host a school called Extreme Love and just invite people from all over the world to come to the school in Thailand, in Pattaya, and teach them how to love people on the streets, just love. And so a, a whole pile of people came in from all over the world. This was in six months later. We hosted the school. And we raised money to host these banquets for the girls. So we would buy them out of the bars for the night and bring them to a banquet feast and love on them. We got them the best, the beautiful hotels with the linen, you know, tablecloths and everything. And we made up prophetic words for every single girl. We made cards with promises from God. And we just gave them all gifts. And we lavished love on them because most of them had never known that before. Most of the girls come from very poor areas and have never uh, known extravagance, extravagant love like that. And so um, each, um, each banquet, I believe, if I remember, was like about 120 people per banquet. And uh, we would just get people saved. Like, you know, we would preach the gospel. They'd be weeping. And, and uh, we'd release them into the Tamar Center to, to be looked after afterwards. And they never went back to the brothels after and became gospel workers. And so we just continued to do that kind of outreach. One of my spiritual daughters, she was only four years old in the Lord. And in that first outreach, she said, Patricia, I'm supposed to stay here. I'm supposed to live here. I'm supposed to not go home. And I said, you can't do that. You're only four years old in the world. And this place is evil. Like, there's a lot of evil. I can't just leave you here. She says, you go ask the Lord because he told me to stay here. And I thought, okay. So I went and asked the Lord. And the Lord told me, yes, I told her that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it was like a mother, you know, leaving. Like, I'm sure it was like Hannah leaving Samuel in the temple sort of thing. But um, anyways, I left her there. And bless her heart, I mean, she was just a brand-new Christian. She was only in her 20s when uh, she stayed there. And um, she learned the language. And she became a very strategic woman of God in anti-trafficking. In fact, um, she called the UN together. 
the Cambodian uh, government officials and, and uh, social workers and attorneys and everyone together, Thai officials together to a table. And she said, you're allowing trafficking to take place. You're allowing Cambodians to come in here and be trafficked into places all over the world and she said hey, it's going to stop and what are we going to do about it and she just just a little girl she's only like five feet tall and she just challenged all these leaders and they went for it so she started um putting together um uh trafficking police uh groups because um the uh, trafficking polices were being paid off by the traffickers to release the girls back to them once they arrested them. It was a very corrupt system. And even the ones that went through the court system at the borders, um, they were paid off to uh, give them back to the traffickers. And so um, she went into every aspect of that. She set up Christian uh, uh, traffic teams, uh, Christian attorneys, Christian social workers, uh, Christian uh, justice workers. And she started working together a whole network so that we could could um, uh, very um, efficiently get kids rescued and put into safety um, without any of the corruption getting in and selling the kids back. And um, it would make you cry to hear some of the things, some of the stories that we've seen with the children. You wouldn't be able to contain it um, because it's, it's, it's so, so tragic, but it's happening. So that was our entrance into it from there. Uh, by the way, just a, a good report. Um, she led our ministry there for many years and then was invited by A21 to be the Asian director. And then she opened up um, Eastern Europe for A21 as well. And then uh, from there, I'm proud to say that she was invited by Facebook uh, to headquarter out of Singapore and go after cyber crimes for uh, trafficking. So very proud of her. But um, Anyways, um, from that we started uh, moving into Cambodia and because that's where all the kids were being trafficked from Cambodia into the brothels in Thailand and then exported all around the world. So that was our entrance into this whole thing. I had no idea that this was even going on before we started. And when we started doing filming on this and doing awareness events back in that day, there was even Christians who would refuse to believe that it was going on. They said, you're just making it up. This is not really happening. And I thought, okay, come with me. Come with me then. And they did. And they realized that this was really happening. And so awareness started to grow and grow. But what we didn't realize was how much was going on right here in America. And growing and growing and growing over the years. And um, I want to touch on that for a little bit today with a purpose, not to make you sad, but to give you a solution. But before I do that, I want to look at a, a couple of scriptures. And the first one is out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we as believers must know this 
that all authority belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to drug traffickers, sex traffickers, organ traffickers. It doesn't belong to evil people. All authority belongs to Jesus Christ and his church. And he has given us a mandate to go into all the world with this authority and bring light into the greatest darkness that is out there. And we don't have to hide out in caves, eating tribulation food, waiting for a rapture when we can actually go forth into the nations of the world, raising the bar of Christ and doing something about everything we see around us. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came that we would have life and have it in its abundance. And beloved, that's what we're filled with. That is what we've been given in Christ, is this life and this light and this authority to go and share in the nations and in your regions. Let's take a look at another scripture, Matthew 16, 18 to 19. Jesus is talking to um, Peter here because uh, he, he, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Peter, you got that by divine heavy revy. That wasn't flesh and blood that revealed that to you. That was my Father in heaven. And he says, on this rock, on this rock, on, on Jesus Christ and his righteousness, on this rock, I will build my church. The revelation that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so we are told by Jesus himself that for those who believe that he is the son of God, that the gates of hell will not prevail. They cannot they cannot keep us from advancing the kingdom of God because he's building his kingdom on the revelation of Christ and the devil can't do anything about it no matter what he tries to do to stop or quench it. It will not happen if we stand our ground. And he says, I'm giving you keys. And these keys give you power that if you bind something, fasten, tie it up, in the earth, heaven will back you up. There will be an agreement in heaven, a partnership with heaven, that what you do in the earth, you see, some of us are waiting for God to just come and take care of things, but he's waiting for us to take care of things. And he says, I've given you the keys. You have the power to bind, and I will back you up, and you have the power to loose. You have the power to bring freedom, to, to loose the chains off of people, to release my goodness. You have the power, and if you do it in the earth, heaven will back you up. There will be supernatural power and authority to back you up. So this is what we've been given. This is supernatural. This is in the unseen dimension. We've been given this authority and given this right to execute the purposes of God according to his will, according to his word, according to his goodness. And we have the power to do that. And we're going to rise up and we're going to do it, church. In Isaiah 2, it actually talks, or in, in Isaiah 60, rather, it talks about two tracks. 
It talks about a track of glory and a track of darkness. And in uh, Isaiah 60 verse 1, it says, Arise and shine because your light has come. Okay, so because Christ is in you as a light, this is who you are, you are to arise and let that light shine. And it says, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness his people. So there's a half a verse in the whole chapter that tells us about the darkness, but the rest of the chapter is about glory. The rest of the chapter is about glory, and it's actually in the context of wealth, and talks about the commodities and everything that's going to come to the people of God in these days. And so we are going to be in the track of light and glory and power and goodness. We're not going to let the darkness touch touch us. So we have this authority, but why is it that we're not seeing it? You know, Jesus said um, the church is going to have this power, being the ecclesia. We have um, an administrative power, an authority to execute the purposes of heaven, and a lot of us have an understanding in our head, but we're not seeing the manifestation of it. And I believe that one of the reasons we aren't is a sin issue. Sin blocks your authority. Sometimes we're, we're, we're you know, we hold back on talking about sin. We never need to talk about sin in a condemning way to believers, but we need to have an understanding of how it works. Sin actually strips you of your authority. So why is it that the ecclesia in America, which has never been so big as far as numbers go, we've never had so many people a church uh, attend church in all of the history of America as we do right now, even with the mega churches in some single services, 20, 30,000 people are worshiping, right? And so why is it that we're lacking the power to execute God's authority in certain issues of life? And I believe it's because we're compromised. I believe it's a sin issue. And we are taught in the scripture um, to know that God cannot be mocked because whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. And if we sow to sin, we are going to reap trouble, right? So sin gives the devil a landing strip. It says in Romans 6, 16, that um, whoever you submit yourself to, that's whose slave you become. If you submit yourself to sin, you become sin slave. That's why it's so important to know who you are, because if you know that you are the righteousness of God, if you know that he's made you pure, then you'll live according to who you believe you really are. But if you compromise in your thinking about who you are, then you'll put your hand to things, your mind to things, your, your tongue speaking things that are contrary to God's word. And that's what gives the devil what's called a legal right to operate. So as a church right now, we see many Christians actually saying, you know, uh, we need to pray for this government leader or that government leader or this party or that party. And, and, um, and we feel that if we get the right person in or the right party in, the nation shall be saved. But if the church is polluted, nothing's going to work. No, no man, woman, or child is going to be your savior. We have one savior, 
And he's laid out his ways, and we have to come into alignment to him and walk with him. And when you've got a church that is given over to all kinds of sin and vice, corruption, um, we have whole denominations changing their constitutions to support same-sex marriage, um, LGBTQ relationships. They're changing their, their, their whole uh, constitutions and bylaws to support that. And yet we want God to answer our prayers. We want God to release authority through his church, but we don't even know who we're serving. We don't even know what the word is saying. I was at a, an event this last April, and we were uh, someone was preaching a message about um, the Jezebel spirit and how it affects, um, you know, morals in a nation. As that message was being preached, at the very same time, there was a denomination meeting, and they were gathering all the uh, church leaders, their their church leaders in that particular state to let them know that they had adopted the constitutional change to accept same-sex marriage and um, be open to LGBTQ orientation. And they said to the pastors, there's 200 churches in that state. They said to the pastors, we need to know which one of you are going to stay and which one of you are going to leave because um, you have to make a decision because we're, we're adopting this. And you know what? There was 197 pastors that decided to stay and only three left. I know, it's a shock and awe moment, right? It's like, what? So that's just a little taste of where we're at. But with any... Any church, there could be church leaders that are compromised in their morals, in their ethics, in their integrity. And if that is the case, then where's our authority? Because we just handed it over to the devil. And we wonder why we don't have power demonstrated against the atrocities that are taking place in our nation. And by the way, sin is so dangerous um, and when it creates a tipping point, we're in real trouble, especially in our nation. For an example, um, in, in Deborah's day, God's people experienced 20 years of oppression by, by an oppressive nation that came in and oppressed them. And the reason why is, and it says right in scripture, because they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Because they, they, they did evil. They had had warning after warning after warning, but they just kept doing more evil. And so finally, um, what they had opened up to as far as vulnerability, the enemy came in and God allowed it. And look at Babylon. 70 years, God's people were uh, oppressed inside of Babylon, held captive. And Babylon was the most brutal heathen nation in its day. And and they held God's people in captivity. You know why? Because of waywardness, because of sin, because it creates a tipping point. So our nation, we have to be aware right now that there is a tipping point. It can be for righteousness or sin, but whatever the tipping point is, if it weighs down for sin, we as a nation could be oppressed because as the church goes, so goes the nation. 
It's not as the government goes. The government is a picture of what's going on in the church. So if you don't like the government, look at the church. I told you it would be a little bit heavy this morning. <laughs> now, the specific assignment of the enemy today that I want to zero in on this morning is sexual immorality and perversion. And, um, and it's... Sexual immorality is extremely dangerous, and I, and I believe it's more dangerous than any other sin. It says in the Bible that it's, the, the, you know, it's different from other sins because it's inside, and it has more influence inside of you than others, but it also influences the world that you live in. Let's look at a, a, uh, uh, a portion of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 to 19. The body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one with her? Or do you not know... Um, yeah, the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. That's what happens with sexual union. I'll unpack that in a moment. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So sexual sin is extremely dangerous. I don't think we have any children in the house um, this morning, but I was concerned in one service I was in because the pastor said, um, I want to keep the children in for, for your message this morning. I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> I've got this subject I'm going to teach. And, and, and then the Holy Spirit said, well, the, you're teaching from the Bible. Do you not want the children to read the Bible? I thought, okay, that's a good point. And then I thought, what are they learning in school? What are they learning in their libraries right now? And then I got convicted. I thought, why are we not talking openly about this in churches and at the family dinner table? Why are we not talking openly about this? So I wanted to share um, what, what happens in this particular scenario because sexual immorality is so dangerous. It says that when you become sexually engaged with someone, you become one flesh with them, one with them. This is spirit, soul, and body. That's why we are to wait until after marriage vows are made to consummate the marriage with the sexual union because it's what brings you into unity. You become one with the person that you have sex with. So if you have multiple sexual partners and you become one with all of them, that's trouble. And I'll talk about that in a moment because I have an opinion on that. But in the, in the area of, of prostitution, for, for example, if a man goes and has sex with a prostitute, and most prostitutes have numerous sexual encounters every day, okay? Obviously, um, there's going to, to be some issues there because men aren't going to go to a prostitute unless they're driven by an evil spirit or something, right? They've got lust going on. They've got sin in their lives. Um, this is, you know, all happening. And so 
they go and have sex with a prostitute. Now, if that prostitute has a venereal disease, guess what? It could be transferred to the person, to the man that they're having sex with, physical to physical. The physical disease can be transferred physically to that man. He can then go home, have sex with his wife, and his wife also gets the venereal disease. And sadly, I've I've had ministry encounters with people who have been in that situation where um, the, the wife or the, the other spouse has contracted the disease that was brought into the marriage through unfaithfulness. It's so sad when that happens. And some of them are not curable, by the way. You can get medication to treat them, but they're not curable. They just keep coming back, and you have to treat them for the rest of your life. That's what sin does. When you're in holiness, you'll never have that trouble. It doesn't happen in a real holy union. But not only can there be a transference of physical to physical, there are spirits that can transfer. So if, if a man is having sexual relations with a prostitute, she's got evil spirits in her. She's probably loaded with them. So he has sex with her. He probably has his own demon. He transfers that into her. He gets her demons transferred into him, and he goes home and transfers them to his wife. Meanwhile, that prostitute is now collecting demons every time she has sexual encounter. And everyone that has sex with her is getting more, and so when it becomes an issue where society has a norm now that, that porn is okay, prostitution is okay, let's even legalize it in some states and stuff like that, we've got an issue, a spiritual issue in the nation because of the transference of demon powers and they come into the church. And unless we know to cast them out and to free people and have them walking in alignment with righteousness, it's going to continue to infect culture. And the sins of the parents are passed down to the children to three and four generations. That is your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will all be affected by that sin. And those demons can be passed down so they can actually be born with. You know, people say, you can't be born a homosexual. Oh, yes, you can if it was transferred down through the generation line, and you've got the demon in you. And so this is a real issue. You can see why this is a real issue. And so immorality has affected whole nations. In fact, the Roman Empire, they believe, fell because of immoral practices of homosexuality, actually. And so um, this is a real issue. Now, in 1 Kings 18 on Mount Carmel, we see a situation where Israel had given over to sexual demons, Baal and Asherah. So you had King Ahab, who was already evil, by the way, before he ever met Jezebel. <laughs> but he marries Jezebel, and the two of them together create an evil environment for the people and invited God's people, who were truly God worshipers, invited them to come and connect with Baal spirits, to compromise their faith and connect with um, deities that were attached to sexual immorality. And many of them became spokespeople 
for for those demons. That's what's happening with denominations today that are, are changing their constitutions. They're becoming prophets of the devil. So Elijah comes on the scene and he says, why do you hesitate between two opinions? Because they were saying, I'm a, I'm a believer in God, but I also connect with the immoral practices of Baal and the Asherah. And he says, it's time for you to make a decision on who you're going to worship. You can't worship the two gods. You're going to have to make a choice of who you believe in. And if the Lord is God, then worship him. Serve him. But if Baal is God, then serve him. But let's determine who the real God is. And that's where he had the confrontation of power, where God answered with fire. And all of a sudden, all the prophets of Baal and Asherah that were there, they cried out and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then there was a mass deliverance ministry. They just cut their heads off. And that was the end of, of that, okay? But I believe that we're living in the day right now, just like in the days of Elijah, where sexual deity is in front of us, where there's this draw, uh, there's, there's this marketing of sexual perversion, and it is everywhere. You have to really watch even what kind of television programs you watch. I can't get over, I can barely watch any anymore because they're all infiltrated with scenes that are, are very, very sexual. In my day, it would have been called porn. But now it's just when any kid can watch it, right? And we need to really teach our children. So I believe our nation is being assaulted by Je Jezebel and Baal spirits. And many in the church are buying into the demonic agenda, giving themselves over to evil practices. And many are tolerating the mindsets and the activities, offering no voice that opposes the actions and tolerating is just as you know just as as dangerous as being engaged in it um, revelation 2 18 to 29 it says to the angel of the church in thyatira write the son of god who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this i know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first but i have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And so this Jezebel spirit, what was being addressed in the church, was leading God's own people away into sexual immorality. That spirit today is running rampant in the church. Believe me, it is. Maybe not in this church, but it is overall. But he says, I gave her time to repent, and, and she does not. She doesn't want to repent of her immorality. So behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And this is a warning today. And I will kill her children with pestilence. Now, I don't think God's saying, oh, there's a kid I'm going to kill. It's like, it's, it's the consequence of that judgment touches your children. That's why you've got to come out of it, because it will affect your children. And, um, and all the churches will know that I'm he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, 
to the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come, because he who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. So our repentance from sexual immorality as a, as a church body globally is going to give us authority over the nations, and that's what we're going after. So um, recently, as I've been coming more and more aware of what's going on in America, I have had an increased burden and an assignment from the Lord to go after porn. Because what the Lord showed me is that pornography is, is the root of so much of the immorality, so much of the trafficking of children, so much of family and marriage breakups. Pornography is at the root of it, and I'll give you a few of those things in a moment. Um, but there's so much porn out there now, and it's becoming very acceptable. And we need to be aware of it, and especially for our children, because our children are being targeted in media. I'll go into that in a moment. But um, I don't know if this can be put up on the screen or not, but I just wanted to show you this war on porn. What is behind the whole porn industry is the love of money. If there was no money involved, there would be no porn. Because those that are controlling the industry are lining their pocket is multi billion dollar industry worldwide, multi-billion dollar industry. This is why we have to be committed to going after wealth in God because we got to turn over the money changers out there and, and take it back. We have to be committed. We can't shrink back from that. I have a passion for that. So the love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil, is what fuels the porn industry. But porn contributes to, it influences, or it initiates the following. This is really mind-boggling. It contributes to, influences, or initiates the normalization of immorality, the normalization of perverse sexual acts, the normalization of homosexual lifestyles, the normalization of transgender orientations, unwanted pregnancies, failed marriages, drug and alcohol addictions, venereal disease, violence, violence, rape, sexual aggression, pedophilia, sex trafficking of children, depression and suicide, and financial loss and debt. If you're ever, ever tempted to cross over into something that was involved in porn, don't do it because these are the results of it. This is, this is how it can affect you. So I want to give you some facts about porn. I've done some research on it recently, and um, I've, I've took it from a number of different sources, GitNux Market uh, data uh, a survey on porn statistics and trends in 2023, Youth Pornography and Addiction Center survey, and a Barna Research um, uh, as of 2022. So I'm just going to go through this real quickly. At least one of three porn videos demonstrates sexual violence or aggression. 53% of boys and 39% of girls believe that porn is a realistic depiction of sex. Porn consumers tend to be less satisfied in relationships, less committed, and more permissive of cheating. 
Exploitation and trafficking are common experiences in the porn industry. In fact, you might not know this, but the USA is the greatest consumer of child porn worldwide. The USA, the greatest consumer. And Mexico is the greatest contributor of trafficked children into the industry. And isn't it in interesting that there's um, a push for having no borders, like just open the borders. I wonder if there's something behind that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, I hope you've all watched the Sound, Sound of Freedom. It was really time for such a time as this. I've heard some people say, you know, I just can't watch Sound of Freedom because it makes me too emotional. It's too hard to watch, but it's harder for the people that are being trafficked than it is for you to watch it. It might be good for you to watch it. Okay, 40 million adults in the USA regularly access porn websites. Did you hear that? 40 million regularly access porn websites. 35% of all internet downloads are porn related. 115 billion adult content searches were made worldwide in 2019 and there's more today. About 64% of Christian men, this is a staggering statistic, about 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they view porn at least once a month. Adolescents and young adults who access pornography are more likely to have sexist attitudes towards women. One in five internet pornography users report feeling controlled by their sexual desires. Those who use pornography are more likely to experience loneliness. 56% of divorce cases involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. I tell you, it's destroying marriages. 2.5 billion emails per day. Come on. 2.5 billion emails per day are pornographic. The most popular day of the week for viewing pornography is Sunday. 70% of young men ages 18 to 24 visit pornographic websites on at least a monthly basis. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to internet pornography before the age of 18. And by the way, children ages 5 to 7 are being groomed through media. So really be careful what you're allowing your children to watch. 70% of boys have spent at least 30 consecutive minutes looking at online porn on at least one occasion, and 35% have engaged in this at least 10 times. 83% of boys have seen group sex on the internet. 67% of children admit to clearing their internet history to hide their online activity. 79% of accidental exposures to internet porn among kids take place in their own home. According to Barna Research in 2022, 68%, listen to this, of church-going men and more than 50% of pastors regularly view porn. And we're wondering why we can't change the nation. We're crying out for a politician to come and save us or the right political party or whatever. We get so absorbed in that that we're not looking after our own soul in the church. These are, these are, these are statistics by credible um, research groups. Now, um, I want to share some hope with you and also some action points here. Um, a good friend of mine, Sharon Nye, and her husband, 
Jonathan, they uh, founded the Hollywood House of Prayer. And um, they just went right down into one of the darkest places of Hollywood um, where they actually produced porn in that. And they felt that they were to establish their house of prayer right there in the darkness. And so uh, they got a place and cleaned it out. It was just demonically infused. And so they, they did a spiritual cleaning, a natural cleaning, fixed it up really as, as a beautiful place. And there was a window that looked out over onto the street. And right across the street from them was a very well-known porn, porn production house. And so they would be in their prayer, prayers every day, looking over the street and rebuking all the immorality that was being exported internationally out of that place and saying, God, we just want this closed down and we want righteousness to overtake the uh, wickedness. And so before long, all of a sudden, the owner of that place uh, couldn't afford, this is crazy, couldn't afford to keep it, so he let it go. And he left the place. It was left empty, so they were able to go and take it over. So they moved across the street and possessed and occupied the place that had been used to produce porn. And so they've been there just going for it and 24-7 uh, prayer and just raising the bar and exalting Jesus and worshiping him and his righteousness and his purity and making a difference. So one of the outreaches they have is over in Bangkok, Thailand area and other places of uh, Thailand. And so she had taken a team over there just before uh, uh, COVID and uh, they were in a hotel checking in with, with her team. And there's a long lineup, so she's waiting. And she looks across the street, and there's this building there, a big building. And there's these buses that are stopping and letting men off by the busload. There was a, a busload full of Asians, a bus full of ones that looked European, uh, one looked like American, but all these busloads of men are being dropped off there and going inside the building. So she asked one of the, the hotel workers, hey, what's going in that, on in that building across the street? And they said, oh, that's... That's a brothel, and people come in from all over the world to get it, and there's underaged uh, girls there, so that's why it's, it's really popular. And this burden came on her, and she just took her team after they checked in. They're walking up and down the streets doing a prayer march, light into the darkness, light into the darkness, breaking the power of evil and that. And then her team there really went after it, right? Well, then COVID hit, and God did something really cool during COVID because Thailand was closed for anyone coming in, so there could be no sex tourists coming into Thailand. So as a result of that, a lot of the brothels closed down. They couldn't operate anymore. They didn't have money coming in anymore because the industry shut down because of COVID, which was really cool. And also, a lot of real estate became available because the brothels were being emptied out, and so there's all these buildings available. Now, the girls that used to work in the brothels now didn't have work. So Sharon's team was out getting them all saved and brought into their work to get them rehabilitated and retrained and everything. But they were running out of room. So because there was all these empty buildings, they had access to be able to get more buildings that they needed, all because of COVID. This was so cool, the way the Lord orchestrated it over there. And so um, she calls um, Sharon and she says, hey, you know, we really need a... 
we really need another building. We, are, we have way too many girls and not enough space, but uh, buildings come available and it's a large building. There's lots of rooms. Can we go ahead and get it? And she said, yes, go ahead and secure that building. So they did. And then after COVID, she goes back and they said, do you want to see the new building? She said, of course. And it was the exact building that she had prayed over before COVID, the one where all the busloads of men were being released. It's so awesome. It's just so awesome. So I tell you, there's so much happening. There's so much happening. I could tell you miracle after miracle. We work with a number of different ministries that are engaged in this. But come on, church. We've all got to do this together. We've all got to possess and occupy. We've got to dream big. Come on. We can take this whole thing down. Do you know the porn industry is based on its consumers? And if there's no consumers, the whole thing shuts down. That's what happened in Thailand. When there was no ability for consumers to go, the whole industry shut down at that time. Unfortunately, it's built back up again once the borders open. But come on, church, do you think we have the power and the authority in Christ to deal with this? Or are we just going to sit around in church? If you sit around in church, send your prayers out into the nations, right? Because we have authority to do so. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And look what can happen through prayer. Look what Sharon did just through prayer. She changed the atmosphere. I think God shut down the nation because she prayed. God drove out a major porn industry out of its building and occupied it with a prayer house. That's what can happen when we pray. What can happen here? I've heard that Columbus, Ohio is, is a strategic place and the regions around a strategic place for trafficking. We can shut it down. You don't have to let your state be used for that. God never created Ohio for that. We don't have to tolerate it. We can bind. We can lose. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. We can do something about this. We are not to be overwhelmed like I was when I first went to Thailand. God says, I, I'm going to make you a solution. And you're going to be a solution and you're going to shut it down. And you can do that. You can do that. Revival can produce it. Imagine, imagine if the spirit of the fear of the Lord comes into the church and everyone that is involved in porn all of a sudden stops. And remember the statistics, 67% of men in the church, 14% of women in the church, 50% of pastors involved in it. Those are the statistics. What if all those statistics come to zero? That puts a big, big dent in the whole industry. And then what if we go for harvest? What if we go and get everyone saved and set free from their porn addictions and there's no more industry and everything is shut down and, and not operating because there's no money left that's funneling into it? And what if we just get bold enough to claim back all the money? What if we just say, no, nope, a transference of wealth? Now, I had a situation where that actually happened up in Canada years ago, back in June of 1994. A man came out to our revival meetings and got saved. He happened to be the one who had brought in the adult entertainment stores into, into the Vancouver area. He had numerous stores all over the lower mainland. He got saved, convicted by the Spirit, and closed down all his shops. Overnight. And his money went into the kingdom. Come on. 
come on, folks. We don't have to tolerate. Our God is so big. He can do that. Let's be God's Elijah's today. Let's be his Elijah's today. He says, behold, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We are going to do this. So how? Number one, pray. Your praying makes a difference. This region can be transformed by you praying. Do you know that, that, um, that uh, trafficking cartels and that can be exposed, arrested, and taken out through prayer? We've seen this happen. Next, proclaim, prophesy, and preach. We need exposure of this. We need people to know about this. We need to decree the truth about this. We need to confront the prophets of Baal. We need to conversate. We don't like talking about this stuff. People get uncomfortable when you talk about this. No, let's just talk about cotton candy. I'd rather have cotton candy. Cotton candy is great if you don't have an issue like this in front of you. But when you've got an issue like this in front of you, go for the victory in it. And I think that if we were to conversate more, we're even afraid as Christians, because we don't want to be politically incorrect, to talk about same-sex marriage and LGBTQ. We don't have to do so with accusative tones at all, but with love in our hearts saying, I can't, I can't leave you like this because it's going to hurt you, right? I led someone to the Lord that had been, been in a homosexual lifestyle for over 22 years. He says, why do you Christians hate, hate us homosexuals? I said, what? We don't hate you? He says, well, it feels like that. And he told me what certain Christians had done. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I said, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, like, please forgive us. It doesn't represent the heart of God. But the Father loves you. He loves you, but he wants you safe. And I said, I know, like, I believe the Bible is true. And it's a handbook for life. And the creator wrote the handbook. It's like if you had a car, you know exactly how it is supposed to run. And, and if you violate the use of the car, like my 16-year-old son did with his first car, he drove it into a creek because he thought it was a boat, I guess. But he didn't realize that it had limitations. And the water ruined the car right? If you violate the use of your body, it'll, it'll hurt you. It'll, it'll destroy you. And so I was explaining this to him, and he said, I've never thought of it like that. I said, yeah, it's like if I was sitting across the table from you, and I knew that you were drinking a drink that had poison in it, and I'm just sitting there, and I, think, I know you like your poison. It's okay. Go ahead and drink it. I just want to support you and encourage you, and I'm not one to shame or blame you, and so just go ahead and drink it. I said, that's not love, is it? I would just be sending you to your death. No, I'm going to do everything I can to take that poison away from you. I'm going to try to convince you that you should not drink that poison because it will kill you. And he said, I never thought of it like that. He got born again. He got born again that night. That was a number of years ago. A number of years ago. I said to him, you know, his father was very cruel to him because he was a very sensitive boy. Very creative and very sensitive. He became a hair, hairstylist. He's my hair, hairstylist today, to this very day. And um, his father um, uh, owned a large uh, um, road building 
company. And his dream was for his two sons to take over the company when they grew up. But it wasn't his dream. And he was a very sensitive, creative child. And the father despised him for it, put him down for it. So he always felt rejected and un unloved by his father. And then when he was a uh, teenager, or preteen, actually, he got um, sexually assaulted by a relative. And he went into a homosexual lifestyle in his teens and was in there for over 20 years when I met him. And I, I said, the night that he got saved, we were in a car together, and, and um, I said, what desire would you like? I felt the father tell me to ask him. If you had the desire of your heart met, what would that be? And he said, I've always wanted my own salon, but I've never been able to get a salon because of my, I'm not good at financial management, and I haven't been able to get one. And I said, well, your heavenly father, he made you sensitive and creative, and he just loves that you love doing hair. And he wants to give you a salon. He's going to give you a salon, your very own salon, just like you, you've dreamed because he loves you. And he said, really? How's that going to happen? I said, I'm going to buy it for you. I'm going to buy you a salon. He said, you are? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to buy you a salon. We'll get you all set up in it. I'll just have you be the manager at first because I want to make sure I can teach you how to manage your money so, <laughs> so that you can keep the salon, right? But as soon as you can prove that, you know, you can manage it well, I'll sign, it, sign the whole thing over to you. And so he just wept and wept and wept. He never felt the father's love like that before, you know? And he, of course, came in came in and did a great job of managing the money and I was able to sign it over to him. After I think it was less than three years, he had it signed over and, and he's been so grateful and he's been over to Cambodia and he started you know, training our people over there to cut hair because we started hair salons over there and he's done all kinds of different mission work and everything and he loves the Lord to this very day. It started with a conversation. That's all, it just starts with a conversation. Speaking the truth in love. I never compromised. I said, I love you, but I can't agree with this lifestyle because it's going to hurt you. I don't want you hurt, right? So we need to have conversation. We need to open it up and conversate in love. Your words have power, but the power is truth spoken in love. Infuse the atmosphere with righteous conversation. Number three, build collaborative relationships with those who are anointed to successfully release people from sexual addictions. I believe churches in every region need to have answers for their people and their community. You see, if there's anyone in this room today that has been snagged by, by porn, and I, I know there are a number of you in here who have, and I do want to say there's no shame or blame on you. The devil is, is, has got an agenda. And he'll take you when you're most vulnerable and try to bring you into his captivity. So we, the church, have to be able to offer freedom. We have to invite people to be free from this. Who wants to be addicted to anything, right? Addiction's horrible. I don't know about you, but I've been addicted in my life. It's horrible. It controls you. It is, it is evil. It is, ugh. We're not created to be controlled like that. But when you're addicted, I remember when I was addicted, I couldn't free myself. I needed help. And Jesus did free me. And I had people around me to help me. 
right? And we need to be there for our community. We need to be there for our church family. We should be able to have people come to us and say, please pray for me. I've been really struggling, and, and I have to admit that I've been engaging in this and that and the other, and we are able to say, we're going to get you out of this. We're going we're, we're gonna to get you to a place that you were born for and created for and made for, and we're going to fight with you, and we're going to fight for you until you win. That's what we need to, to be as a family. And there's some really good programs. I've been researching different programs and that and, and trying to go through them and stuff like that to find ones that are good because if we can have um, groups inside of churches and then announce it to the community and say, hey, there's freedom. If you're addicted to porn, no shame, no blame, come. We've got answers for you. And there's women and men all involved. It's not just men. It's men and women who are struggling with this situation. And they can come together and they can be free. And there's some very, very good material out there. And it's online too. So people can even go online if they don't feel like they can come into an actual group. Um, they can go online, but we can lead people to where they can get help. And church, I think that we've got to be deliverance centers for those stuck in this. Imagine Columbus, Ohio, completely free from porn addiction. No porn in Columbus. It's, it's a porn-free community. You can move here with your kids and know that there's no porn here because we, the church, took care of that. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That we have we have righteous morals, we have we have families that are blessed and we don't give ourselves over to all the all the stuff of the enemy, okay? But we don't have to start and create everything from scratch. We can work with other people who are already called to it, seasoned in it. That's what I'm doing. I'm connecting with um, different people that are involved in different aspects of anti-trafficking and with porn industry stuff and cheering them on, sewing into their ministries and using their resources right? And uh, collecting resource. And, you know, we're just getting going on this ourselves, so I'm excited about it. And then the fourth thing is, is to take action. Get to the girls before they're recruited into the adult entertainment industry. And I know that this church is really passionate about this, and you, you've got boots on the ground. It's just awesome what you're doing here. But I want you to know that college girls especially are being targeted, College girls are being targeted. Um, and the way that, that they're getting themselves through university even is by going to work for escort services or um, dancing at bars or, or online. And online is becoming extremely popular. It is one of the, the, the most, um, uh, most visited uh, uh, sites, you know, the, or uh, means, rather, that people are getting connected to porn. So the girls get hired to be on these porn videos or porn audios, and people buy time with these girls online. And most of them are college-age girls, or even some of them high school-age girls that are being recruited into these things. And it's the beginning step for them, because then they get into porn movies. And once they create a porn movie, they'll get handed thousands of dollars, which they might need to pay their tuition or something. But that porn 
video is up there for the rest of their life. Even if they didn't want it up there, they've signed off on it and they don't even realize what they're doing. We need to bring awareness into the schools, into the universities. Uh, we need to be a voice in these areas because the girls and the boys, boys too, are being recruited and we need to save them from that. One of the things that uh, we have in the works right now is an outreach to the girls and the guys who are um, uh, porn servers to clients. We are uh, working with Sharon Nye's organization where they'll have the intercessors praying and everyone that goes on a call will have an accountability person with them. And we're buying time with the girls because um, you pay for their time. If we do an outreach at a porn convention, which we've done lots of those, we might only have a few minutes here and there with the odd one, but this way we're buying the time so we can take the time that we buy. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you're paying for, and tell them, look, we don't need sexual services. We just want to love on you and share the share some truth with you, prophesy over you, uh, call you into your destiny, lead you to Jesus, right? So we're going to go after that level because it's becoming so popular that many people are getting addicted to real hardcore porn through these calls, sex calls that they're making. And so let's shut it down. Let's do what we can. We're going to need revival. We need, we need the Lord. We don't need, like, a political agenda might help, but it's not going to annihilate this. Only the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be able to annihilate it. So we need to take action and go out and get out into the bars where the girls are and the guys are, get out on the streets, you know, and that might not be what you feel called to do, that might not be your lane, but there are those who are doing it, so build coalitions with them and, uh, and uh, uh, build collaborative relationships with those who are, are doing it. And then also, finally, we need to teach sexual purity in the church and not just, don't have sex before you're married, you know? We need to teach people why you don't, you know, and why you wait until you're married, why you save this beautiful part of your life. Porn and immorality destroy beautiful sexual encounters that God intended for people to have. And people are struggling. There's whole sex clinics now because people are struggling. One of the spouse in a marriage is struggling to be able to perform sexually. It's very, very common in this day. And there's frustration inside of marriage. But of course there is because there's so much immorality and so much given over to immorality that is in the air that we breathe is everywhere. And by the way, if you buy porn at all, I just want to say this, I've got to say it. If you buy any kind of porn at all or anything that is that you're sewing like into a movie that's got tons of sex scenes in it or whatever, you are contributing to child sex trafficking. You will be responsible for it because you're fueling the industry that is producing it. And so when you do that, you're responsible for the fruit that comes out of it. 
There's, there's a judgment there until you get saved by the blood of the Lamb, until you get delivered. And I just want to say that because we tolerate Jezebel a lot. Even with television, there's certain television programs I will not watch now. And I'm trying to check through. There's different filters that you can go through now. Check through to make sure that my eyes aren't going to be on some, you know, unclean sex scene. I used to just kind of fast forward through those ones. And the Lord said, don't do it because you're actually, your viewership is being recorded. And so when they see you watching it, they know that, that um, the masses like it. So they'll make more of the same. But if we shut it all down, they're, you know, it's just like the Sound of Freedom did so well in the box office that now even secular producers are looking to make that kind of film because um, they know that the consumers want it. I tell you, so much is driven by money. But we're driven by righteousness. We're driven by kingdom. Amen? And I believe that many of you here are going to be called... In fact, I'd like to say all of you are called in some way to bring light into this darkness and to bring rescue into your region. Uh, it's needed. I have understood that this region has a real open door to accepting uh, homosexuality, LGBTQ values, that is one of the highest rated areas in the nation for that. What, what's the open door for that? Pornography is an open door, but we, the church, can do something about this. You are not, you do not need to be overwhelmed because every little thing we do makes a difference. What I started doing in Thailand years ago, it was just small, but it had ripple effects internationally. I can tell you of nations today who have anti-trafficking um, uh, uh, um, procedures in their government now and in their law because of the influence that people had when they saw what we were doing. And so they went to their government and started putting policies. That was the word I was looking for. Anti-trafficking policies are now in government in the UK, in Canada, and that because of what was seen through our little effort. What can happen through your little effort? You know, Jesus took just a little boy's lunch just one little lunch with a few loaves and fish. And he fed multitudes with it. And that's what's going to happen with your efforts. And I want to know if, if there's anyone who's passionate about this in this house. Is there anyone who feels the same burden? If you do, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray, pray for you. If you have a burden for this. And you might not know what you can do. I tell you, your prayer is a start. You can pray. And... You can get involved with what this church is already doing as well. Even missing children. A lot of the missing children are missing into, into sex trafficking networks. You know, so your, your teams that are already here, your finding teams can be involved with getting children back who were, who were subject to being trafficked. I mean, this is just awesome what you're already doing. So I want you to come forward to the front here. Um, and also, I want to invite anyone um, that you feel you want to be free from this spirit, that you're feeling, man, I, 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 I'm involved. I was, I was at a meeting just recently, and we had an altar call, and there was a man crying at the altar. And he had been a deacon in his church. Um, and he, was, he said, I've been addicted 
I've been addicted to pornography for 17 years, and the entire time I've been the head deacon in our church. And he got set free that night. And he just wept and wept and wept. He got set free. We were able to get him help. You know, it's like God just wants you free. He's not mad at you. He just wants you free. He, he doesn't want the enemy to use you. So if you're, you know, if you're here, just yield your heart to the Lord and, and see the pastors afterwards. I'm going to pray for your freedom. But talk to someone about it. Get the help that you need. You're too valuable to let the devil have a hand on you. You mean too much to God and to all of us to be taken down like this and to contribute to the devil's agenda. It's like you're too special for that. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And some of the people I've interviewed recently who are on the front line of this sex trafficking stuff, they said, they said we were involved in porn ourselves, you know? And they're on the front lines now of getting other people set free. So you never know what, what, what God can do. You know, you might feel like you're so trapped right now in what's going on in your life, but God's saying, hey, you know, this can turn around and I'll use you as a voice and I'll use you as a deliverer for others, but you've got to come out. We're not going to leave you where you are. We're not going to leave you where you are. There, there's access to help here tonight, this morning, and, and take it. Don't stay where you are, and don't let your pride hold you back. Come and see the pastors after. Come and see the leaders. Make, call the church. Make an appointment. But let's, let's get you free, okay? It's not okay to remain um, in, in the darkness. Your family will suffer. Your children will suffer. You know, your community suffers. Everyone suffers until that is released and until the pure waters flow again. Okay, raise your hands up into the, the glory realm. An anointing is going to come on you. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for each one that's standing here today. And Lord, I first of all thank you for your, your power to deliver. And if there's anyone in this room at all that needs deliverance from porn, use, or addiction, Lord, we just... Release the power to free them right now in Jesus' name. And we pray that this very moment will be that first seed of freedom for the rest of their life. And that seed will grow into a full tree in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you are going to bring that freedom, that full freedom to them. And that there will be boldness and courage for them to go. It takes courage. It takes it takes boldness and it takes humility to go and get the, the help that is needed. And so, Lord, let them have that operating right now. Fill them with it. And, Lord, for all these ones who are saying, I want to I be a voice for you. I want to be an instrument for you. Lord, you said in Luke 4.18, Lord, you said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I just declare this over you all right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. That you can go and bring good news. Good news. News of freedom to the afflicted, to the brokenhearted. And to set the captives free. That you can proclaim freedom to prisoners. And that you can issue freedom to this nation. 
In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you are empowering your people now. And that you're even giving them mandates. You're giving them missions. You're giving them ideas. You're giving them, them places that they can put their hand to the works of your gospel, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you're enlarging their heart in you. You're enlarging their heart of righteousness. You're enlarging their heart of love, Lord God. And they are freedom fighters and freedom givers for your glory in Jesus name. Now I want you to shout a big amen if you believe that. And on the count of three, I want us all to shout the word freedom, okay? And when you shout it, I want it to be over this whole region. Freedom over this whole region. And I want you to carry in your heart anyone in this region who is, is, uh, is, is vulnerable to being trafficked right now, who is vulnerable to being brought into, into this industry, who is vulnerable to be addicted to this stuff. I want you to proclaim the freedom over them. And this word freedom, as we declare it in faith today, is even going to go into people's households today. It is going to go into people's bedrooms. It is going to go into places. It's going to go into the darkest places of this community because we're not going to leave this community in a place where there's people who can't get set free. Are you ready? One, two, three. Freedom! 